Diana, Princess of Wales, has died in a car crash in Paris. I have a dream that all men are created in. I have a dream. His rage was focused at John Lennon. But it... President Kennedy died at 1 p.m. Central Standard Time. This is the end. Beautiful friend. This is the end. My only friend, the end of our Hey everyone and welcome to a special podcast series where we'll be focusing in on the new novel hindsight i'm your host for this podcast series my name is tim and in this episode we'll be discussing the concept and creation of hindsight the novel with its creators mark osef paul jones and matt keegan gentlemen welcome i'm super excited to have you guys here to discuss hindsight lovely to be here thanks tim so much thank you Now, I appreciate you guys all making the time to be here, especially since we've had to coordinate across three wildly different time zones. I'm sitting here in Calgary, Mark and Paul are in the UK, and Matt is in Australia. So it's been a bit of a task. (laughs) (laughs) We're sitting in two two different days at this point, Um, but I thought it was important that we all got together. We all had to be here to discuss this book. This is a new book that you guys dropped on November 22nd. This has been in the works for quite some time. And this has to be a super exciting time for you guys, seeing all the work that you've put in this, developing it from a script, now into a novel. Tell me a bit about the excitement here. Mark, I'm going to throw it to you first. How has it felt to see all the work you've put into this come to fruition? It's been thrilling. It's been absolutely thrilling. And it's it's like... Um... We were waiting for the missing piece of the puzzle to drop into place for this to sort of happen, to come to fruition, because it's five it's five years old for Paul and myself now. We've been laboring away for five years. It wasn't until Matt wandered into frame that it all sort of coalesced and this book dropped. So the last part, the last chapter of this adventure has gone really rapidly in this year since about sort of April time. Um, but it's been fantastic. It's been thrilling, absolutely exciting. Paul, how are you feeling these days with hindsight uh, on Amazon? I've got to be honest, this is a very, very precious beast to Mark and myself. Um, I probably equally for Matt now, obviously, now he's on board. But um, I, I've i had a, a fairly dogged kind of, <laughs> Mark, we've got we've to get this to the world. We've got to get this to the world. So, uh, you know, to be honest, I can't, we can't, I'm not going to lie. You know, a couple of tears have been shed in the last couple of weeks, the way this has gone forward. We are super cool, excited and you know, I haven't got the really the words to express that we've got a medium now that's pushing this little idea that Mark and I had, you know, I don't know, 45 years ago, whatever it was, <laughs> <laughs> sort of thing that we, you know, just two guys come up with a, you know, we, we someone's got to do this, someone's got to do that. Okay, let's let's us take it on sort of thing. So that's what happened. So right now, I'm on a different plane, to be honest with you. It's really, really great. You've got to stay grounded, obviously, but I'm, I'm just enjoying the fact that this little guy is getting out there at last. It's nice. It's really, really nice. Matt, how are things over there? How are things in Australia? Sunny Australia. Yeah, it's good. It's coming up the summer. Kids have been in the pool today. Um, yeah, as far as the book goes, I thought it was pretty easy. They handed me the, the structure to it, and it took me three months to the day to write it, so it's probably one of the quickest books I've read. But, you know, I didn't have to do all the hard work and come up with the science behind it and the plot and the characters. It's I just, um, you know, fill in the rest, fill in the blanks, hand it back to them. They were happy. Off we go. 
Yeah, well, you guys should be extremely proud. This thing, like I said, dropped on the 22nd. You can now get it on paperback and the Kindle on Amazon. And it's receiving great reviews from what I've seen so far. You're getting great reception. And what I wanted to do today while we're sitting here, while we have all four of us here sitting at the table, is talk a bit about the conception and creation of the book itself. You've alluded to a little bit that with Mark and Paul writing a script and Matt coming in at a little later stage to develop this into a novel. And the thing that I love about this book is that it integrates so many elements of storytelling that allow you to kind of have those emotional moments, but also have those moments where you're literally jumping out of your seat. It, it feels very cinematic. It feels like it's come from a script. And what I want to do is I want you guys to kind of walk us through how you came up with these ideas and then how it was developed further into a novel. So... Over the next couple months, we're going to be dropping a few different podcasts, one here being the conception and creation, and two being a follow-up where we do have readers call in or write in individual questions to ask you a bit more about the book itself. So this is going to be relatively spoiler-free. We're going to go through some of the higher-level concepts of the book and just try to understand where this was crafted from because... Fortunately, I had the opportunity to read this in July before it was released, and I absolutely fell in love with it. As soon as I was done, I emailed the guys and said, we have to sit down and talk about this. There's so many big ideas in here. There's so many great ideas in here, and I want to hear where it came from. And I'm sure the readers, the people that are picking this book up over the next couple of months are going to have those same questions. So I think it's great that we're here, guys. But what we're going to do first is we're going to do a bit of author introductions and a bit of background on you guys. And I'm going to throw it to Matt here first. You are a novelist. Can you elaborate a bit on how you came onto the project and how you kind of tackled this from a script perspective? I, the first I heard of it was uh, on a TSW after Dark Side. And I was at work, um, just downloaded a heap of podcasts, took them to work. And I was listening to that one. And just the way Mark and Paul spoke about this story, I was uh, I was drawn into it straight away. And I that's the reason I actually ended up joining the TSW VIP group because Mark and Paul mentioned maybe we should put out, you know, a little bit of the script to that group. So I joined the group, waited, nothing ever happened. And then Mark... <laughs> <laughs> that, yeah. that sounds like us. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Then sort of backwards and forwards with Mark, and he actually, what was it? I think I, I was after I sent you the drawing of a hand solo pistol, the yeah. blaster. Yeah, it was. Um, there was actually talk about it maybe becoming a, a comic at one stage, and I went to I said I said yes because uh, I'm an artist as well, and I said yes, Mark, straight away without having any idea on how to draw a comic. I went to bed that night, hardly slept because I was worried that I, you know, my head. Woke up the next day, Mark had spoken to Paul, and they'd come back with, well, how about you do a novel? You've written a novel before. And I, as soon as that happened, I was like, yep, send me everything. Send me the scripts, all the footnotes, everything you've ever written about this world. And it's it, it's the one of the most exciting books I've ever had to write because all the information is there. It's I, I know where it's going, but I'm also leading it as well. So it's... It's, uh, I don't know how to explain it. It's it was just so enthralling to have something so fresh and unique uh, to to dive into and help create, not just be not just to watch and read, but to to build on as well. Mark and Paul, you guys, how did you guys end up in this world of putting together a script as it initially was for hindsight? Mark, uh, why don't you feed with the path thing first? 
Yeah. Well, actually, I'll take one step back before that. And it's um, Paul and I used to have movie nights with uh, with Stephen from Talk Star Wars and a friend of ours, Andy, who was on the early episode of Talk Star Wars. Um, and after every film we watched, we'd sit and discuss it, wouldn't we, Paul? For hours and <laughs> and for hours we'd sit and we much like the nerd room, Tim. You'd you'd sit you'd sit there and you'd break something down and and kick certain elements of the story around. And we found ourselves after watching the Dark Knight writing the sequel to Batman. I put something up on the nerd room. Yeah, it's fantastic about this this week. Um, we'd we'd kind of broken down elements for a story there, and we said at some point we need to stop talking about writing films and maybe write a film. Then years go past, literally years go past with us doing nothing. And um, and then I'd had this dream about a time, a, a time traveling um, bank robber who took me back in time with a group of um, thieves to commit this crime. Now, I'm not I need to point out I'm not a criminal. I've never done anything illegal. Aspirations. <laughs> but, yeah, but I was with I was with this time traveling crew. And then I woke up the next morning and said to sent a message to Paul, Stephen, and our friend Andy and said, I've had this dream and it would make an amazing script. And then Paul and I basically bashed the whole thing out on a social network called Path, didn't we, Paul? This old social yeah. network that we were yeah. using. And this chat thread went on and on and on for ages just as we started to beat this idea into shape because the, the dream I had didn't really make a lot of sense when you applied logic to it. And that was kind of the the root of the story that would go on to become hindsight. That's an interesting thing because the, the cinematic feel of all this, you can, you can feel it in the book. You can feel it in the words. That's how it was initially crafted. And that's one thing that I, that I really love about it is that you can visualize a lot of this happening on the screen. That, that's to me one of the most important pieces of literature, of reading a book, is that you have to be able to put yourself into those scenarios like you're sitting and watching this on the big screen. And this book really benefits from it. And you've kind of gone through there the initial idea of hindsight, how it actually was developed. But can you talk a little bit more about some of the inspirations for the story? This is a time-traveling story. This really integrates historical events. So it's an interesting take. You look at you know, time travel movies, you're always going to go to Back to the Future. Now, th was this one of the inspiring films that you've taken from? And and how did you kind of plow through this as far as integrating kind of the key story elements here of kind of these historical events and time travel? Well, for me, there was two elements here. Um, and that was uh, my, not anger, for want of a better word, but my, you know, a little bit of, hang on a minute, let's, uh, you know, have they got this right here sort of thing? And that was two movies. Uh, one of them being Terminator, one of them being Back to the Future. And um, with Back to the Future, uh, I remember sitting with Mark and I said, look, I'm, I'm getting a little bit disenfranchised with the way movies are going. And um, I want to look at something a little different. And I want to look at something in the way that I, you know, we see, uh, you know, more, more direction in the way I think we should see the way things pan out the way we feel they should pan out sort of thing. And I said, and one of these things is uh, I've always been, interested in historical events it'd be great to go in that direction i said but i don't want to do the back to the future thing and i said and terminator for me was a big mistake and i talk, we were talking about the paradoxical thing which mark much later took in a much greater strain which is awesome and it was all about the way that the discovery of the technology behind the arm made the future within itself and i said well that's that's an interesting loop and then mark associated the idea of this if we twisted this we've got this kind of mobius strip situation of time and space that we could play with and it gives us infinite reach and i said the other thing is the 
one thing that made me um, giggle a little bit was I kept saying to Mark, look, if we were to consider any kind of, this is all based on Mark's dream, don't forget. If we're going to consider the situation where we might be moving backwards and forwards and so on and so forth, said the idea that, you know, if we meet each, meet ourselves in any kind of time frame, you know, the whole world's going to end, the universe is going to end and so on and so forth. I don't want that to happen. I would like the opportunity to converse with myself, be frightened of my, who I might think, what I might think of myself and so on. So that started to give a breadcrumb of, a character build if that makes sense okay so number one it was like i i from that point i mean i'm talking to talk to mark about you know uh his bank robbery situation and talking about how a couple of films that were certainly in the back of my mind and how the direction uh didn't flow exactly how i wanted to i said this is the direction i think i want to write it so that's when mark i approached you and i said in relation to your bank robbery i said why don't we look at uh, historical items, first of all, but I was a bit scared of going down the indie route, wasn't I? I said yeah. I don't want to just I don't want to just look at the you know the Spielberg-esque uh, indie route with historical items in that fashion, and then we started looking at more miscellaneous situations. It's like what about famous people, famous events, and that's when Mark, you jokingly talked about Candlestick Park, which completely blew me away, and. That's where started, you know, a lot of this snowball started to come into effect in the real direction as to what we thought we were going to do with the characters and how they might move around. Yeah, you know, rooting your your story with the historical events for me at least, it's taken me to the point where, to a degree, you feel like you're a bit in the know. You understand that event. You have a place in time that you get. And even going in beyond an event into an actual person when you're talking about some of the famous people that are well integrated into this book, I think that really benefits the story because it gives you a grounding. And also with the story here is that nonlinear storytelling. Now, the genre of time travel really demands that. And it's I think it's really difficult to strike that perfect balance of telling a forward progressing narrative while jumping back and forth. And also you have to keep the reader engaged. Can you guys elaborate a bit on how you're able to keep myself included here, keep me engaged while jumping back and forth as well as integrating different historical events? Yeah, well, I think um, the benefit of multiple drafts helps <laughs> there because when you there are elements that you get the um, you write the story all the way through, and of course we had somewhere around here. I've still got the mind maps and timelines. You made a mind di map, yeah. Di diagrams where there were loops, lines, and bubbles. Everything was joining up so we could follow the plot along in a in an illustration. Um, so once we laid the story down once, it was going back through and thinking, oh, well, we can nod to something in there sort of um, put in references that on your first read through might seem out of place, but hopefully on the second read through will make a lot more sense. References to, to events that haven't yet happened. Um, if you've read the book, you'll know what I'm talking about. Um, so yeah, multiple passes really helps. But I think for us, it was sitting down and just drafting out the timeline um, so that we can see it and appreciate it physically in front of us so that we had a, a, a full understanding of it so you can move things around um, to alter the pace or alter the tension so that there's, you know, you try it, we aimed for the action set piece, but then we found that there was something missing afterwards. So we moved a section around here because, you know, time travelers, we can do what we want. Um, so it's things like the, the what we thought was the action set piece 
gave you the popcorn, but then you wanted the you wanted the punch in the heart as well later on. You wanted the the big emotional payoff later on. Yeah. So moving stuff around. So I think treating even though as the as the creators of it, telling ourselves the story was important because we got to appreciate it all the way through as if we were the reader as well, even though even though we knew where it was going. And that was really more pronounced for me when I read Matt's first draft because it I got to experience it from a reader's perspective when I got Matt's version of the story, you know, so I got to see how well it works. Uh, but for us piecing it together, it's kind of lay it all out in the first place, run for it yourself, make your amendments, and, and keep switching between creator and consumer. I think that's – would you agree, Paul? Is that kind of the way – Big time, yeah. Yeah, there were so many situations where I'd hand you uh, three pages of biro and you'd just read, you'd look up, you'd smile, you'd read, you'd look up, you'd smile, or I'd just give it to you, you'd go home and you'd, 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 you'd email me later and we'd talk about A, B and C. And then you'd email me another five bits and pieces and I'd be like, oh my God, I can't believe what you've done with this. So it'd be a case of I'd put a skeleton down that Mark would put fat and muscle on, then he'd panned it back to me and we'd put a bit, we'd put a nervous system across it and so on. We just kept on building and building on this, you know, basic anatomy of stuff. And it just, it just started to grow and grow and grow from that direction. Uh, but each time, everything we did, I got to appreciate uh, a, a, a tiny idea I gave to Mark that he managed to add to. I got to appreciate it then purely from a, you know, a viewing, a reading entertainment perspective, because it was, he was adding and, you know, putting a lot more value to what I'd produced. And at the same time, he'd give something back to me and I'd do a little X, Y, Z on the keyboard, pass it back to him. And, and it's like, oh, good, good. I love what you added there. I love what you added here. And we were, we were lucky there, Mark, weren't we? In the fact that mm. the wavelength was constant throughout. It really was constant throughout. Yeah, and it's because there's two of you, you're constantly playing off of each other. So we are telling each other. I, I mean, we can't do the spoilers, we can't do spoilers, obviously, but there was a uh, pool. You had a barbecue, didn't you? One year, the first year, I think, or maybe the second year. I don't know. It's been going on for such a long time. And um, I walked up to Paul at, at a barbecue because I'd had an idea to try and improve one of the major set pieces in the final third of the book. And um, initially it just played out. And then that was us done and we moved on. And I thought, no, that's not enough. We need to do something else. So I walked past Paul at his own barbecue and said, oh, by the way, such and such happens. And then I went to walk away and he said, you can't walk away and leave leave it like that. So we ended up at the barbecue bashing out another piece of the story. Yeah. Because it, you know. Two hours later, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, inspiration came where it came, you know. Yeah. Well, I can definitely say that the iterative nature of the development process, I can see it in the book. Because the one thing that I always worry about going into time travel films, and, you know, we can talk about this for days about the, the paradoxes that we see in films and in novels and all that is that you end up not progressing your story forward while trying to seed other things that are happening in the future. And you found a really nice way, I think, to, to spread this out and seed the right things at the right time because stuff that happens at the start of the book matters for later on in the book. And it's mm-hmm. one of those things that you feel yourself kind of confused, but that as the story progresses, you get bits and pieces of that. And I really appreciate that because I found myself with with movies and different books really lost in the middle part of the book because I'm trying to piece together what's happened at the start with what's happening right now and none of it makes sense. And you seem to have this this nice thread that is woven right through the script that allows – or right through the novel, sorry – that allows you to 
feel like you're understanding and you're engaging with the individual characters, but you're also progressing that narrative while kind of jumping all over the, the timeline. And I really appreciate that. And I can really see that in this whole iterative process that you're talking about. And now getting back to the historical events that you've kind of anchored and rooted a lot of this story in, were those events individually chosen for the story or some of those kind of personal things that you wanted to include or that had impacted your lives? There's a little um, mix of a mix of both. both. Uh, and additionally, if I can add, additionally, if I can add, that sounds crazy. Um, <laughs> I wanted to be a little edgy. Um, we, I was a little concerned. Mark expressed a few concerns one, one, two times. It's like, I want, you know, I want to put, I wanted, we wanted to put a couple of things in there that, uh, not shocking as such, but we were we weren't going to be too frightened to touch on material that people would be you know would, would bulk at as well. Mm. So you know we looked at one or two situations, but it's like I really want to do this, uh, but we got to treat it with the absolute respect it deserves because some situations you know they they deserve you know honour, you know because they're not pleasant and so on and so forth. But I thought it, we we need to look at these as well because what we want to show you is. Uh, the situation gave somebody strength or the situation caused somebody to do something and so on and so forth. So one thing I was quite honest with Mark early on, it was like, I, I, I want to push a little. Let's just not, I don't want to stay on too much safe ground. So, you know, some one or two little snippets, some people may raise an eyebrow too, but that's intentional. Because there's, there's some dark parts of history that we go to. Or that Absolutely, yeah. Leads, so and you've got to tread carefully there. You've, you know, we can go back and visit all all happy times and that, but that makes reporting rude. That's what we we need to to bring those dark things on and and challenge the readers and have the characters then be put in challenging situations, you know, to progress through them. Yeah, and I... that's it. That's the the balance is getting that dark and light measured out, isn't it? Have there are some there are some extremely humorous moments in there where um. You know, we, we, I mean, to answer your question originally, Tim, the, the, about the historical events, we were a list that Paul and I made in the pub. That's the, <laughs> that's the bottom line. We sat down and said, right, what we want to use historical events. Why not? Most people want to try and avoid those things and they'll create an event. But we made a list of events and we ended up hitting all of them. And the script didn't hit all of them, but Matt very skillfully managed to weave in some of the things that we left on the cutting room floor, so to speak. Yeah, because we had a lot, yeah. And some of those paid off as sort of comedy beats. Really, they're really wonderful, ingenious bits, but they they played out in the end like comedy beats. But they they're worth so much more than that because of um, the mystery surrounding them. Um, but there are a couple of big heavy hitters that yeah. have been really important to me throughout my life, and. Um, and yeah, some of it helps shape character. Some of it we're just literally taking advantage of the mysterious nature of those events. And, you know, we've treated them with respect. We, we haven't belittled them or trivialized them. We've treated them with respect. Um, but they're just too good. Like, like the thing you mentioned, Tim. It's just too good to, um, to leave it on, on the ground, you know? Yeah, well, that, that's the thing, too. And I, I find that the events, the particular events that you guys have, have chosen to put in here act almost as emotional triggers for certain individuals. And you've spread it out across decades of 
our timeline, if we can refer to that. And I find, and I agree that you guys have treated these, some of them, as you're going into them, you're thinking, okay, how are you going to approach this? How can you walk that fine line? And seemingly you guys have accomplished that because I never felt as I was reading this, that at any time that you were disrespecting anything. And that was something that I was looking for when I was reading the book is how do you handle some of these bigger events and some of them, the more recent events that have occurred in like Matt had referred to some of the more horrific events that have happened. And so I, I like that you've rooted all this and grounded all this in history again, because that makes it feel more real. That makes you connect to those events because at one point in time, you've either read about them or you've experienced them. So it draws on that individual emotion and it allows you to connect deeper into the book and it makes you want to discover more. You referred to a particular event in a desert, we'll call it, that I literally jumped out of the seat, out of my seat when I was reading with excitement because it was addressed. You might want to beat that, Tim. I I forgot that we were talking before (laughs) we started recording. You might want to beat that one. Yeah, spoilers. So it's, (laughs) it's, it's something that... I I loved the integration of it because it allowed me to trigger different emotions throughout it. I was excited. I was inspired. I was intrigued. And then you slow it down at particular moments while hinging that part of the story on historical events. So I want to applaud you guys for taking kind of that, that bold step and including some of those more difficult events to integrate within this book. So uh, yeah, I have nothing but the praise well, there. Mm. Thank you. I mean, it, it's one of those things I know for, for I can speak for Paul because obviously we've got a lot of miles behind us now, but it's, um, I won't presume to speak for you, Matt, but I think with some of the stuff we've included that was in the script that Matt very bravely sort of tackled head on, um, once we tabled them as an option, I don't think Paul and I are cut from the material that we were able to walk away from it. I think once they were suggested we felt we needed to attack those elements head on bravely and not be intimidated by them because yeah. they belong They belong in this story. Yeah, but everything at the end of the day was about um, personal reaction, personal feeling. It was about people, period. It was all people. I mean, these events, uh, they are entities upon themselves, yes, but the fact is they affected people, mm-hmm. and that's where we ensured, okay, that's why we're going in that direction, because we want to stir in people's emotions and so on. So, yeah, this event happened. It was a place, maybe. It was an item, maybe, but it affected a person, and that's really how we try to stir things around, that it was actually about the people affected as much as anything that was, you know, our aim of, uh, you know, what we wanted to respect and what we want to keep you. And that's the reason we went in that direction in the first place. Yeah, yeah. Now, now Matt, so the guys handed you a script. They've kind of constructed this universe, put some boundaries on it. How and if did the overall narrative change going from a script, something that you know is driving towards a story, maybe more visual elements of it, especially with time travel, science fiction, and how did you take that script and develop it into a novel? When Mark sent me the script, I think uh, I read it over the weekend. I think he sent it to me on a Friday or Saturday. Read it, uh, I think, two or three times over the weekend, trying to get my head around it. Messaged him back, said, right, I'm going to do it. Uh, That's when I hit him up for all the information. So then it was, I I tried to break it down into sort of points. Even though they've got the script there, I break it down. This has to happen. This has to happen. 
um, trying to in, that's when I tried to include stuff from the, the sort of buy stories, the the sideline sort of stuff that wasn't in the script. Um, the way I write, I'm a I'm a visual writer. I'm, I'm a movie fan first. I'm a big movie fan before I even got into books. So when I write, I try to write as though it's being filmed. So you're sitting in the seat in the cinema. I want you to see what how, how the novel's written as though you're the cinema goer to to watch it. So even if scenes some scenes which are fast-paced, I actually slow them down so the writing is very detailed and almost in slow motion because there's so much going on. And it's trying to break down the parts of the story they had that would fit into my style. And that's one of my greatest fears was I'm going to hand this back to the guys and they're not going to like my style of writing. But, you know, I, I thought I was thinking, you know, we're all movie buffs, uh, well, movie fans, and I was hoping that, the way I write um, would come across that way. And it did. It's good. <laughs> <laughs> it really did. Yeah. No, it's, it's truly a fantastic taking. And it's hard to have an appreciation for what the script was prior to landing in your in your hands, Matt. But I, yeah. I can say, and I will compliment you too, is that it's it's the detail that you're talking about that's it's built into this. That's why I said it, it feels cinematic. You can see that aspect of your writing within the novel itself. So it's interesting taking from the perspective of Mark and Paul and, and putting this together as a script and handing it to you and you being a more visual novelist. That's interesting yeah. because I, I really do see that in the in the yeah. text of, of the novel itself. Because like I'm saying, I'm seeing all this play out as these scenes develop. And I think the detail really helps because it allows you to put yourself into that moment. And visually, that's that's something I'm always trying to pull from from a novel is, is can I picture this happening in my mind? Because sometimes mm. I find myself, I don't have maybe the imagination I need to, to attach to certain aspects of a novel or whatever. But with this, I found, and, I, and it's interesting you're saying this as, as you go through that you're a visual writer, because that is probably the thing I liked about, about the writing the most is that I could see all of it happening in my mind. I feel like, yeah. you know, when you watch a movie and then you read the book and then you yeah. feel like you're, you're replaying those scenes in your head, but that's because you've seen the <laughs> yeah. film. This is where I'm sitting yeah. with the book. And I think a lot of that can be attributed to how you slowed the pace, but also to Mark and Paul for crafting this as a cinematic experience to begin with. Yep. It's, it, it helps that I think what the three of us are history fans as well. So we we put in a lot of research. Um, I, I, I always do a lot of research before I write anything. So all the scenes that Mark and Paul had written, um, the various locations through time, I'd go back and read about it. And even if it was just, you know, three, four pages on Wikipedia just to get the, the footnotes on it or actually go and get a book and read that book and, and get as much detail as I can because I don't want – you know, I don't want to go on the other side of the world, not you guys, but someone, some reader in Bolivia picks up the book and reads it and says, that's not how it happened. You know, if, if that one guy reads the book and, and I haven't got the details right, that, that's really going to annoy me. Not that I'll ever find out about it, but I always have that fear in the back of my head. So I, I just want it, I just want everything I write to be perfect. That's the thing. Yeah. And with the historical events there, kind of going off that thread that, that you just pulled on there is that there's some of it, I even went back and, and, 
personally looked at dates because I was like, okay, does this line up? And and I'm a geologist yeah. as well. And there's uh, as like in real life, I wish I could. So now he tells us. <laughs> <laughs> so I looked at kind of at the start of the the story. There are some elements that do involve geology, and it all lines up. And I think going into that sort of detail and researching things like dates and having it all line up is really important. The devil is in the detail. Yeah. And like you having going back and doing the research is an important piece of the writing because like you said, people, whoever it is, are going to have experienced those events one way or another, whether it is yeah. by two or three degrees of separation or more directly. So that's a difficult thing to do is to nail these events, respect them, but also have them be historically accurate. So I think that that's, you know, again, another big kudos to you guys for going in and putting the time and effort into these because it's easy to create your own event. It's a lot harder to integrate real life scenarios, real life events into a book. Better believable. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I mean, from, from, a, from a visual sense, uh, Mark and I actually went one further one day, crazily. I, actually, I think I, I was the one that threw this at Mark. I ended up doing it myself. But we were concerned about somebody's office location, weren't we, Mark, in New York? Oh, yeah. So I actually went onto Google uh earth and done the street view and we actually imagined right we know the place is going to be here facing north or south or east because they're going to have the best view in the whole city etc etc and i actually you know had to find out where this place is totally located and which direction it was facing purely to know that we were actually gonna you know we were gonna explain it and we were gonna you know narrate it in that way in the in the story so that we were visually correct if anybody was going to check up on us was that in your draft is that what i gave you say again was that in your draft, or was that from from uh, my draft? This this started as one of the this is one of the pub conversations. Oh, right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. But that's, I also did that. I would go onto to, onto Google Maps and Google Earth and find out if I'm going to put somebody on this world. I need to know exactly what that place looks like. You know, no one's ever going to know, but I want to know where that building is and what it looks like and where's the sun going to be in summer or winter. It's trivial little things like that that are absolutely meaningless, but they they mean a lot to me. There was another scary a, example of how it matches on our, on our wavelength, yeah. Yeah, it was, that was quite frightening. I will say as well that you, you, when we were putting the script together, it was knowing when to break those rules as well. So mm. research something to within an inch of its life and then say, I don't think there was a train there, but oh, we'll call it a black railroad. And yeah, we'll just it. make that up completely because yeah. it suits the plot. So I've been looking for, for that object that we're talking about to try and find it can i put it there and that well we're just going to have to put it there and hope people believe it yeah yeah of course it's not there now it was, it was top secret back then so that's right yeah <laughs> that's it yeah it felt believable it's to me. Plot. <laughs> <laughs> now mark you talked a little bit about rules and breaking them and mm -hmm. again this kind of goes back to doing the research for the book itself time travel it's a very yeah. difficult concept and it's been done different ways in different movies, mm -hmm. books. So how did you guys go about the kind of the trio of you? How did you go about setting up the rules within the hindsight universe for time travel? We There's reference to locked events, the stone, mm -hmm. the pole. So these individual things, how did you guys come up with and set your own boundaries within the universe? Uh, we got into a lot of fights <laughs> over it. Um, a few, yeah. yeah. It was... <laughs> From my perspective, I wanted to throw everything out, everything that had gone before, I wanted to throw it all out and treat it as if we were the first people telling a time travel story. Because there's too much there's too much baggage. 
We've all been educated how to appreciate time travel as a concept in movies like Back to the Future, and and I just wanted to throw all that out. Like Paul said, I wanted to, I wanted a person out, you know, I wanted a person to be able to meet a younger version or an older version of themselves, and for the world not to end. Uh, we wanted understand. to treat them as matter, didn't we? Yeah. Yeah, there's matter, and once they're, you know, if they're in the past and they change the timeline, I'm not saying that this happens in the story, by the way, but if they're in the past <laughs> and they change the timeline, they're not going to vanish. Because they're matter, they're mm. already there, and this then that sort of gave us our golden rule for for hindsight. The golden rule of our time travel story is, um, they're a part of history and not apart from it. And mm. why would it be that when Marty McFly travels back in time, he starts making changes? If he travels back in time, the second he decides to go, he's already been there for thirty years or twenty years. Part of you know. History. So that that was the that was the central ethos, our central um, element of our time travel rule was once you're a time traveller, you're already a part of history. You're in the timeline in the past, and that's a part of it. So you can you can make changes, and sometimes you have to, and the damage comes when you don't do something. Mm-hmm. So we we tried to turn it on its head, you know, and and play with it like that, and create our own set set of rules some of the rules do still apply because the drama relied on it you know if yeah you know i won't go into details but the drama relied sometimes on us pulling on a string that people are familiar with um but for the for the rest of the time i i felt strongly that all bets were off but the golden rule was if you're a time traveler you're already a part of history you've already traveled there if you're in the six if you're going to go to the 60s you've been in the 60s already you're a part of the tapestry of time now, that's a very elegant solution that I myself appreciate because other time travel movies or books or whatever, you find yourself sometimes tripping over the boundaries, the rules that have been set up if they're quite a bit more complex. And you guys have simplified this down to once you're a part of history, you're always a part of history. And I really like that element of it. You don't find yourself questioning the time travel. And that really evolves into the narrative of the story because certain plot elements really depend on that rule. So you've stuck to that rule and you've integrated that into what would be kind of the bread and butter of the narrative Mm. itself. And did you ever find yourself struggling with working with time travel, kind of moving things around, but also grounding the story within something that was, as it's referred to in, in some places, a locked event or a historical event that you can't play or tweak with too much? You didn't have that ability to kind of mold things because you're using real life events? Paul? <laughs> uh, well, to be honest, it came, it came, I mean, you had to consider the impact ongoing of what it might do because it's 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 hard to obviously i don't want to give too much away when we had a situation where our protagonist has to go and do a or b what had to what we had to be completely aware of um was the fact that from that point going back as much as he's a part of history if you like everything after the fact that he might do even though he's come from a future from that point nothing is still then certain so yeah you've got to tread carefully sort of thing um but we had a situation where um it was there was an element mark might agree with this there was a small element of convenience when we decided some things had to be you know listed as a locked event but some things had to be listed because of the impact they had almost globally you might want to say 
for want of a big, you know, for want of a better word. Whereas some things we consider to be locked events purely because of, uh, you know, the kind of situation they entwined. Um, and again, I, can't, I don't want to give an example. Right it's hard now, not so. doing spoilers. Yeah. yeah, we should we should um, explain that a locked event in our in our universe is something that has to take place. Yeah. So it's it something just that. Is. Yeah. Yeah, just it because because like we said, our golden rule: once you're traveling back in time, you've already been. If you're going to go back to the '60s, you're already in the '60s. You are a part of history. So, the fact that, you know, our our characters they research their missions to within an inch of their life, much like we did with the book. But it's um, you know, they research the, yeah, they research the trip so they know what they're supposed to do. And it's no secret. I think it's part of the it's part of the promotional blurb that we've got a character that's um, from the future. So it's his hindsight that's guiding them. He knows what they're supposed to do. So a, a locked event is something that either cannot be undone or cannot be allowed to be undone, which which was fun for us because then that's a double edged sword. It's, um, you know, something that you, know, you might find yourself in a position where you have to do something you don't want to do. Um, but it's a locked event, so it needs to be that way. Um, for the most part, it's it's a throwaway. It's a fun thing, isn't it? Like if they're going to go back and steal something, it's because they've already gone back and stolen it. It's part yeah. of history. That's the way history's yeah. played out. So that's the locked event. It can't be undone. It to can't a small be degree, left. most of what they do becomes one <laughs> in a manner. Yeah. In a manner of speaking. Yeah. Yeah. Now your main characters here, the the protagonists, they they run a business that's referred to in the book as temporal tourism now i have to ask you guys this is kind of maybe towards the we're gonna kind of release the shackles here and go towards a bit more on on your end with uh speculation for yourselves if you guys had the ability to travel back in time if there was somewhere like the market that you could access where would you guys go and what would you guys do well i'm gonna throw this one to matt first um I've always been interested in Australian history in the 60s and 70s. Um, that time, sort of, my father was a, a um, is a Vietnam vet. He was conscripted into the Vietnam War, and that sort of I've done a. My first book was based on that. So that time has always fascinated me. The music, um, just the cars, the style, the the hairdos of the women, it's the the mini skirts, everything. So, I think for me, it'd be to travel back and to you know to be in the Australian version of the summer of love type of thing. Awesome. Paul, where would you go? Where would you end up? Uh, right. Okay. From my perspective, um, I'm, I'm, you might consider me a bit of a, an atheist, but uh, I would immediately choose sort of AD 33 Calvary to see if, um, you know, one of the greatest, <laughs> well, one of the world's greatest mysteries uh, ever did take place. Simple as. Take a nice present. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like a nice birthday present. I hear there are a few good ones. <laughs> Mark, how about yourself? Would you be going forward in time, back in time? Where would you land? I I think I would go back. I had so when we were putting this story together, I had so much fun. I found the the past way more interesting than what could come in the future. Um so yeah, I think I would like I would go back to the sixties, I think, um, to an episode in the that's actually a part of the story of the book, um, but for for a fun answer, because um, I don't want to I don't want to go into the spoiler part of the story. But for a fun answer, one of the one of the arguments I made to Paul about what the temporal tourism mechanic could be 
was um, the example I used, Paul, was Shea Stadium and the Beatles. How was it? Um, I thought it was Candlestick. Is that the one you meant? No, it's, it was Shea. It's oh, the okay. Um, okay, it's where sorry. the Beatles went and they played there in the middle of a baseball stadium on a little stand that rotated because there were so many fans there because Beatlemania had taken off. And the the fun paradox I said to Paul, a, a really interesting idea, a, a thought experiment for this time travel thing would be temple tourism could take people back so they could attend that concert and thompson could be doing that for years taking people back and they all want to go to that gig because that's when the beatles really took off because they had this huge audience but over half the audience are time travelers from the future going back so they've made that audience the size it is they made the beatles a success yeah but that's the loop that that's the loop we had fun creating when we were writing hindsight it's that sort of thing so i'd go back and watch the beatles play at shea stadium with all the other time travelers that made the beatles what they were brilliant absolutely love it that's it's it's an intriguing thing because that's a question that comes up with every sci-fi fan is where would you go if you had the ability to travel back in time or forward in time i agree with you guys i ended up back in time it's it's i find history fascinating and the ability to experience it I think is something that people really have a hard time trying to grasp is that it's happened, it's affected things, but you can't directly experience it. So being able to go back in time, like you said, and experience a concert or an event, I think that is something that a lot of people think about. And you get a lot of that in this book. You have the ability to transport yourself along with the main characters back and experience events through their eyes. And that's another aspect that I really, really enjoy about this book. All right, guys. Well, lastly here, before we send off, I want to know what is your guys' favorite part been about creating hindsight? There's been a lot of effort, blood, sweat, and tears put into this. What has been the aspect that you've enjoyed the most? I'm going to start here with Mark. Oh, um, wow. I've enjoyed, I've enjoyed all of it. I, I from, um, the inception of the idea and saying to Paul, let's do this. And he's, yeah, let's do it. Um, to sit and, and for me, it's all these little moments along the way. It's sitting with Paul in the pub and saying with like notebooks full of scratched out ideas. I can't wait until we got a manuscript. And then when we got the manuscript, oh, I can't wait until we've got this script and then we're pitching the script. And then oh, I can't wait until this is, you know, then, then Matt enters the, the frame. It's all these little things along the road where once Matt was in and we got the first draft, can't wait to see this picked up and and a book and now i've got the book on the shelf behind me so it's all those little things of i can't wait until the next thing and then all of a sudden it's done or not all of a sudden after five years it's done you know it's (laughs) for me it's all those it's all those it's not one thing it's all those little things that makes this hindsight experience so special it's all those little pins in the map excellent paul Uh, i'm a big fan of fruition um doing a big rewind i mean this kind of goes back to previous questions you asked but uh we you know the the initial conversations we had mark was talking about a dream he had and so on and so forth and so we talked about kind of ideas we might have we both went away in different directions and then i in a similar kind of way um very much like matt's also commented i think i don't think sort of i can't just like i don't think of a scene as such i think of a shot so I'm just sitting there thinking, right, I want to, I want to, you know, in my head, play out the, the first shot of what the screenplay is sort of thing. So I have this idea of, you know, this, this shot plays out in my head and it's purely, you know, it might last a second, but then I give that shot to Mark and Mark's eyes widen. And then it's that spark that's become interesting to somebody else 
that you're like, oh, cool, I'm, I'm going down the right path here. And then Mark will go, well, what about A, B and C? And he'll give it back to me and then I'll be just as enthralled sort of thing. And then knowing that Mark and I did this for Matt and Mark, Matt and that's like, cracky, you know, you've got to let me novelise this and so on. But it's those little things. It's, you know, people, we told people, Mark and I told people a long time ago, we were writing a screenplay and then you tell them what it's about. And we'd start to explain it. They're like, wow, that's new. That's fresh. That's exciting. And the, just that, that little bit of discovery for everybody on every little facet is it's very, very exciting. It's very exciting. We're big fans. Mark and I, are, I don't want to detach Matt, but obviously, um, you know, we, for, for myself, Mark and Matt have been talking about this a little bit longer, but I'm a big, we're big fans of the, the handholding thing and this whole group thing sort of thing. So I'm a big fan of the, the bonded network, if you like, and when you start sharing that information out and it starts to make people feel excited about something. Uh, so similar to what Mark said, Almost everything about this has been very, very, very precious to me. But when you start telling people and you go and you see that little spark of excitement, yeah, that is very, very enjoyable indeed. Yeah. Yeah. Matt? Uh, my the, the part that made me smile the most is uh, when I can take something that these guys know and then give it back to them with my twists and my flair on it and – you know, I can make two guys who I've never met on the other side of the world cry reading their own material, even though they've never read it, like they've never read it before. So that, you know, mm. it's, it's their story. Yeah. I'm giving it back to them, hopefully with a bow on top and to have an emotional response. You know, it's. It that, did, that did happen as well. But I did, I cried my eyes out reading one particular part of this, uh, of this novel. And I couldn't believe it because I knew where it was going, but it was. Uh, Tim, you've already hinted at Matt's pacing and things like that and how well-judged it is and how well-built the novelisation is. And I was just flipping pages like there was no tomorrow. And by the end of this particular chapter, I was just in floods of tears. And I knew where the story was going. So <laughs> Prior <laughs> to... Um, that yeah, is prior a skill to, right there, Matt. Prior to publication, uh, I, I tried to carry as much of the, you know, the typeset and all the you know, the, all the silly bits and pieces prior to publication as much as possible. Matt and I were banging heads the last few days as well. Uh, I must have read the last, I don't know, anything from the last 100 pages, 15, 20 times at least. And there are two or three elements of that that I guarantee the, the tap's open. There's nothing I can do about it. And it's purely because of what the teeny little bit of spark that Mark and I made. Mark made it a little bit bigger. Then we speak, spoke about this and we've, re, you know, we've built it again. And then what Matt came back with, I said to Mark so many times, it's like the guy's read our minds. You know, mm. It's insane. And you know, I'm just sitting there and I'm proofreading with a tear coming down my face. So <laughs> it's all good. It's all good. We said that on day one, didn't we, Paul, when we first we got Matt's first draft yeah. on the same day. And Paul was supposed to be working. I was off. And I sat down and started reading. And no one's going to hear this. Um, and Paul was 80 pages. I think you were 80 pages ahead of me. And I went out to walk the dog and I phoned Paul because I said to Lisa, like my wife Lisa, I said, I've got to just take the dog out now and think about what I've just read. And on the way out, I phoned Paul. And I said, this guy is sitting inside our heads. I can't believe how close... Matt is to what we'd seen. Yeah, it was we beautiful. This thing together, it was just it. If there, I mean, there was never any doubt that Matt was the right guy for the job. But this would have taken any element of concern away, because I was seeing our story through Matt's eyes. It was just, it was just incredible. Absolutely, just incredible. 
brilliant. Thank you. It's 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 been great to talk to you guys because it's one of those things that often you don't get to peek behind kind of that curtain and see and hear the creators themselves just being honest about their process towards putting together a book like this. And it's great to appreciate the time, the effort, the blood, sweat, and tears that have been put into this book because I think it really translates extremely well. And I'm excited for more people to read this. Now, this is dropped. It's on digital. It's on paperback. I've got my paperback. It's coming in the mail. I've got my digital copy. And I can't wait to have other people experience this so I can talk to someone about it. Like that's one thing that's been the hardest part for me about this whole process is that I was fortunate enough to read the book earlier on and I've had no one to talk to about. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's been driving me nuts. <laughs> Welcome to our world. <laughs> yeah. so. Well, people I talk to about it are sick of hearing about it now. <laughs> After five years, they're, they're tired of it. Well, you're going to have a whole new audience to discuss things with, and I have no doubt this is going to do big things. And gentlemen, I want to thank you again for coming on the podcast here, discussing hindsight. I want to give you each an opportunity to pump your individual, uh, whatever you're doing on the internet, where you are, and also give a little little hit towards hindsight itself too. Uh, you can find me at uh, Kigo73 on Twitter, on Facebook as Matt Keegan. Um, also, got another book out. My first book was A Darker Green. That's out there as an e-book. Uh, it's out of print now. And I've got another book coming, hopefully, into the new, in the new year. Plus, also working on, uh, without to say, what we're working on, guys, a sequel to, yep, we're working on a sequel to Hindsight. Brilliant. You heard it here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, Paul, where can we, we find you on the internet? Yeah, yeah, we've started arguing already. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, you will find me on the interweb uh, in various facets, Twitter, Facebook, and the interweb itself at moviescorenews.com. That's it, really. <laughs> yeah, you'll find me at uh, TalkStarWars on Twitter and TalkStarWars.co.uk, and you can throw a slash hindsight on the back of TalkStarWars.co.uk and find the book. Excellent. And you guys can always find me at the NerdRM on Twitter, and you can always check out a few of the articles that we do put up on the nerdroom.net. There's some hindsight stuff there, some links to the book as well uh, on Amazon. So make sure you guys get out there, pick up hindsight, because not in the too distant future, just into the new year, we're going to be sitting back down with the creators of hindsight and going through a podcast where you'll have the opportunity as the readers to send or call in with your questions, your spoiler questions, so we can get through kind of this <laughs> this firewall of trying to not spoil anything for people because the it's book has difficult. just come out. <laughs> yes, it's a very difficult it's been thing really to do. Difficult. So it is when you're excited, yeah. yeah. So yeah. you guys are gonna have the opportunity to throw whatever questions you want, and the guys, I'm already committing you to it. The guys are going to answer it, and it's exciting to hear that we're gonna get yeah. a sequel because you know that it needs it. <laughs> so, <laughs> gentlemen, thank you again for being here. I look forward to discussing hindsight in the future with you guys, and for. This podcast for the Hindsight Podcast Series. Thank you for listening. Thank you for being here. And tune back in in a couple months. Keep an eye on the Twitter feed. Keep an eye on TalkStores.co.uk and the nerdroom.net to see when the subsequent podcasts are going to drop. And I'm going to close out here by saying one more time, you can get the Hindsight book now on paperback and digital for your Kindle on Amazon.ca.com and .uk. So go out there, grab that, support these guys. It's an incredible book. Like I said in my review, it's literally impossible to put down. All right, guys, we'll talk to you soon. Thank you so, so much. Thanks, Tim. Thanks, Tim. <laughs> this has been a Nerd Room Podcast production. 
You can find our hosts, Tim, Troy, and Sanjay, on Twitter at TheNerdRM, TroyTheBoy87, and Sunjabby. For more content from The Nerd Room, check out TheNerdRoom.net. Don't forget to subscribe to The Nerd Room on iTunes, Podbean, and YouTube. Be sure to head over to StarWarsCommonwealth.com to find more podcasts in the Star Wars Commonwealth Podcast Network, including Talk Star Wars, Tumbling Saber, Generation X-Wing, Rogue Squadron Podcast, Skyrim's Podcast, and San Diego Sabers. Follow the Star Wars Commonwealth on Twitter at SW Commonwealth and take your first steps into a larger world.